Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Last week, we kicked off a new series called Revive. I've had it on my heart to begin to cultivate a church that is revival ready. I like that song. We're getting ready. We're getting ready. We're getting ready for Jesus. Amen. The title of last week's message, I'll do a quick review, was called Revival Fit. Revival Fitness. How many know there's different types of fitness? There's running shape. There's powerlifting shape. There's wrestling shape. There's swimming shape. There's cycling shape. Not all shapes, not all fitnesses are one and the same. If you're, if you're training to be a distance runner, you, you probably don't want to like hit the weights all the time, right? You want to get out and run, okay? Um, you want to train for the specific event that you are in. And I believe that many Christians, many believers are church fit, we're conference fit, we're organization fit, and we're meeting fit, but many times we are not revival fit, okay? I don't know about you, but I've gone through seasons where I've been part of churches who are in revival, and then it kind of, um, the wave kind of comes and goes, and then you get back into that environment, and you're like, oh man, I'm rusty. You ever feel that way? You're like, I'm rusty. I need to like brush up on the things of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and those kind of things. So we want to stay revival fit. I believe in these last days, God wants us to be fit for a move of the Holy Spirit, to be revival fit, okay? So last week, we talked a little bit about the difference between there's two words in the, in, the, in the New Testament, two Greek words for time. We talked about chronos time and kairos time, two different Greek words. So how do we become revival fit? I, this was my main point last week. We have to learn to recognize and capitalize on kairos moments. Those are those divinely ordained, divinely orchestrated moments in our lives, okay? Um, after I preached that last week, I had a friend text me. He said, I believe that when rib roasts go on sale, it's a Kairos moment. <laughs> Prime rib, you know what I'm saying? I would agree, that's a Kairos moment. You guys want to, you want to take advantage of that, right? And then just by happenstance, I had another friend text me. who I used to be a meat cutter. I was a meat cutter for like eight, nine years. And another friend who's a, who's a meat cutter, and he, he got a, a prime, a whole rib roast, prime, prime cut, right? And he dry-aged it for 45 days. So go ahead and put up the first picture. Okay, this is what it looks like after you dry-age it. You, can't, you have to have the temperature between 34 and 38 degrees. Other, if it goes over 40, it will spoil. But you can dry-age beef um, if you keep it in that temperature the whole time. Um, and it's, like, amazing after you dry-age. So we'll go to the next picture. Okay, you, now you cut all that off, and then... You age it for 45 days. It's, it's a chronos time, right? Sequential time. And then the, the kairos moment comes. Go ahead. Boom. You cut that thing up into them steaks, ready to go. Kairos moment. Can I get a witness? All right. Okay. Now, that was mostly a guy illustration. So I'm going to, I got to do one for the ladies here, okay? <clears throat> In the movie Pride and Prejudice, <laughs> in my opinion, there's a lot of Kronos time, but <laughs> I, I <laughs> get an amen from the guys, and I'm going to get shot down from the ladies. But I think there's a Kairos moment, I think, and that is this. Go ahead and put up the picture. 
okay? This is the culmination. It all comes together, right? They're like, they realize that finally they love each other. It's the culmination, okay? Everything's coming to a head. It's the Kairos moment, okay? So that's one for the ladies, all right? Now, ladies, I don't know if you realize this, but there's also a Kairos moment in the movie Pride and Prejudice for guys. Did you know that? There's a Kairos moment in there. Do you want to know what it is? I can tell you. It's when the credits, the end credits start to roll. <laughs> it's the moment we've been waiting for the whole time. Okay. <laughs> all right. But in all seriousness, if we're going to be revival fit, we need to learn to recognize and capitalize on God orchestrated moments. I gave a few examples last week of biblical examples of where there's a Kairos moment and protocol was kind of thrown out the window and something different was called for, okay? I gave some biblical examples of that. I gave some personal examples where I've tried to capitalize on those Kairos moments in my life. If you missed that message, please go back and have a listen because we're, we're, I'm trying to build, we're trying to build a culture that is revival ready for this church, okay? So it's important. Okay, this week, I want to talk about the importance of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in revival. And particularly, I want to hone in on the gift of prophecy and its relationship to an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The title of our message today is called Cultivating a Prophetic Culture. Okay? Cultivating a Prophetic Culture. I believe that one of the major differences between churches that will thrive in the end times and churches that will flounder um, is churches that embrace and have a prophetic culture and individuals and Christians, okay? And let me, let me help build this case. Um, let's look at Acts chapter 2, verses 17 through 18. The apostle Peter here, Peter in Acts 2 is quoting Joel chapter 2, okay? And this is what he says. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Okay, notice prophecy is associated with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's closely associated. When there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the gift of prophecy is flowing. And, it's, and in, in this case, in the last days, it's poured out on men and women, young and old. Can I get a witness? The ladies, young, old, everyone, we're all part of this. It's all good, okay? All right, verse 19. I will show wonders in the heaven above, signs on earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the great and glorious day of the Lord. Verse 21. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In the last days, there will be tumultuous events. We know this. But take heart. In the midst of that, in the midst of darkness increasing, the activity of the Holy, I believe the activity of the Holy Spirit will also be increasing in the midst of darkness increasing. The darkness will be getting darker and the light will be getting lighter. It's not just by contrast that we're going to appear more lighter. It's actually that God will be increasing his presence, I believe, in last days. But notice in verse 21, in the context of end times, the Holy Spirit's being poured out. Prophecy is flowing in both genders and on all the generations, and all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. In other words, 
a prophetic voice in the earth does have and will have a direct correlation with people giving their lives to Jesus. Okay, notice there's, there's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, and he says everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. <clears throat> okay, okay, why is this? The Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Uh, Revelation chapter 19, verse 20, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, you really can't divorce prophecy from testifying about the Lord Jesus. Whenever prophecy is increased, the testimony of Jesus increases. Okay, what is the product? What is the, the causal effect? Is that more people will give their lives to Jesus. This is part of God's strategy to redeem people to himself. Okay, so if we're going to be a church that's revival fit, we need to have a prophetic culture. Now, how do we have a culture? How do we cultivate a prophetic culture? What I want to talk about today is how to demystify prophecy. So for some of you, it's like, oh, prophecy, yeah, let's go. And for some of you, you're like, what's this guy talking about? You know, you're like, you're like, you know, leaning back a little bit and waiting a little bit. Okay, listen, prophecy, it's not weird. It's not spooky. Okay, I want to despookify it today a little bit, all right? If you're a Christian, you are called to be naturally supernatural. So I want to demystify, take some of the mystery out of prophecy and talk about what the New Testament teaches about prophecy today. Okay, it's not weird, it's not scary, but it is God-empowered and it is powerful and we need it. Amen? Uh, next week, uh, I, did, I had way too much to put in this message, so next week we're going to touch on this again. And I want to talk about growing in the prophetic and I want to set biblical guardrails for the prophetic, okay? So we're not just getting weird. We're not just getting crazy. There's biblical parameters and guidelines for the gifts of the Spirit and prophecy. We're going to talk about those next week. Okay, but this week, how do we demystify prophecy? Uh, if you want a good place to land for this uh, sermon, we're going to spend most of our time in 1 Corinthians 14. So if you want to move over there, that would be good. Okay, if we're going to have a prophetic culture... We need to understand the purpose, the purpose of prophecy. Okay, the purpose of it. Paul says to the church, uh, the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5, he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue or speaks in tongues does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies or builds up themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified or built up. Okay? Okay, number one, Paul tells all believers to eagerly desire prophecy. Eagerly desire this spiritual gift. Now, I want to say that, and I've said this before, there is a difference between the office of a prophet and the gift of prophecy. Okay, um, I at times in my life have flowed in the, the gift of prophecy. I do not call myself a prophet, okay? Um, what is a prophet? A prophet is someone who's part of the, a fivefold ministry there's a special grace on his or her life 
to, to prophesy, but they have a, um, a track record, a proven track record, a proven reputation of accuracy and, and consistency. Okay, so once someone builds up that reputation of consistency and accuracy, um, and there's a grace on their life for prophecy, that person has the gift, is the, the office of a prophet, okay? The gift of prophecy is somewhat different. Paul says, all believers should desire this gift. Now, do all believers, will all believers flow in the gift of prophecy? Well, if you look at uh, 1 Corinthians 12, you know, it says, do all speak in tongues, do all do this, do all do that, do all prophesy. The implication there is maybe no. But then Paul, on the other hand, is saying, desire spiritual gifts, especially prophesy. And then later on in chapter 14, he says, all of you may prophesy in turn, and he gives some instructions for it. I don't know. So I, I feel like, why would he tell us all to desire something if we didn't have access to it? Okay? So I want it, and I, I wish I had more of it in my life. I wish I had even, you know, I want to grow in this gift. Um, because it's valuable, it edifies, it builds up the church. Okay, so what is prophecy? Okay, many people would say, okay, it's a prophetic word. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's foretelling, right? It's foretelling a future event. And although that is part of prophecy, it's primarily not foretelling, it's forthtelling. Okay, let's talk about the difference there, Okay. It's not primarily, hey, two years from now, you're going to da-da-da-da-da, you know. It's not primarily, primarily it is forthtelling. Let's look at this word prophecy um, in the Greek. It's Strong's 4395, uh, prophesy. In the New Testament, prophesy um, occurs 28 times, usually a forthtelling. What is that? Which reveals the mind or the message of God in a particular situation. Okay, so someone's going through a situation like, hey, can I get prayer for this? Now, you can pray out of your heart and pray good things, and the Lord touches them, the Lord bless them, but then you might actually get a message like, okay, you know what? Here's the heart of God for what you're going through. I just feel like God's saying this, boom, 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 boom. Okay, that's the spirit of prophecy happening. It's not necessarily saying, hey, in two years from now, you're going to have an orange cat, you know? I don't know. <laughs> orange cat, I don't know. Although that would be pretty cool if someone prophesied that and that happened, right? No? Unless you hate cats. Okay. Okay, it's forth-telling. So many times uh, you'll be ministering to someone, and let's say you're ministering to someone and they're a very, like, timid person. You're ministering to a timid person, but you might hear the Spirit of the Lord say in your heart, they're a lion. That person's a lion. Okay, so although they're not currently acting boldly, God's saying, call forth the lion. Tell them they're a lion. Call the gold out of that person. Okay, that is forth-telling. Okay, it's different than, um, uh, that is forth-telling. It's different than foretelling. Okay, is this making sense? Okay. So, <clears throat> in other words, many times it's calling people to their true, unique identity in Christ. It's calling the gold out of them, okay? Yes, sometimes it is, it is um, an expectation of a hopeful future that you're giving people, but that's not the primary function of the gift of prophecy. Um, let me try to give a few examples. Uh, a few years ago, uh, back when my wife and I were college pastors, um, when you're a college pastor, you don't have to dress like this, <laughs> okay? Um, I'm not extremely dressed up, but you don't have to dress this nice. But I did have other responsibilities at the church, sometime I was the, there was the on-call pastor. I had to do hospital visits, in which case you want to look 
a little bit better. But when I'm on college campuses, you know, you don't have to be like all dressed up because the kids aren't, right? The young people aren't. So some years ago, um, I, I'm on call that morning. Then I have some meetings in Fort Collins and I, uh, I, I needed to be, dress nice for them. Um, just the nature of the meetings and those kind of things. Um, that evening, I come back to the church and I didn't have time to go home and change. So I'm still dressed like in clothes that I don't normally dress in. Um, but there was some meetings that night and a, and a prophet was in town and who was ministering to the church. But we had an opportunity to get uh, personal prophetic ministry from this prophet. And so I come into the office and he's like, you know, talk to him for a minute. And he starts ministering to me. He says, you know, you're dressed like a prep, but that's not really who you are, is it? He's like, I hear the Lord saying, you're a wild man. (laughs) (laughs) You're a wild man. Okay. What was he doing? He was looking past the external and speaking to what God was saying who I was in my heart. That's what prophecy is many times. It's going past many times what the external thing is and, and speaking to what's in their heart. And many times they don't even know what's in their heart. You might be ministering to a timid person. Hey, you're going to be a lion. God's calling you to be a lion. God's calling you to be bold for him. And even though that's not manifesting currently, you're saying you're calling that gold out of them, okay? Um, so same thing like this happened with, with when Samuel anointed David. He goes, oh, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Surely this is the Lord's anointed. Surely this is the guy. And the Lord's like, no, no, no. And then he goes, do you have any other sons? Yeah, the one out in the field with the sheep. He's like, bring him in here. Well, God looks at the heart, right? That was God's chosen person. David, King David, that was God's chosen person. God doesn't look on the external. He looks on the internal. Prophecy many times looks at the external and calls out the gold and who people are. Amen? All right. So primarily, it's revealing the mind of God for a person or a particular situation. It's not necessarily bold future predictions, although that is included. I don't want to say that's not part of it. Um, It is primarily revealing the mind of God for a particular situation. All right, let's look at the text again. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands, understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. All right? All right, here's my point. New Testament prophecy should strengthen, encourage, and comfort people. Okay? That's New Testament prophecy. This is, this is Paul. This is the Bible. This is what he told the church in Corinth. So it should build up, strengthen, stir up, and cheer up. Okay? Every believer should desire the ability to prophesy. Why? Because it builds up, stirs up, and cheers up his church. Cheers up individuals. Okay? Cheers up the body of Christ. Um, Newsflash, you guys know this. Life is not easy. Life is difficult. We need strengthened. We need encouraged. We need built up. And what better gift for God to give the body of Christ than the gift of prophecy for us to strengthen and encourage one another, to bring comfort to one another, okay? Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And you know this. Whether you are a stay-at-home wife with kids or you're a CEO of a corporation, like, life is not easy. Like, we all have problems. We all need encouragement. We all need strength. And we all need direction from the Lord. Amen? Okay, so... Here's my point. Strengthening, encouraging, and comforting are the foundations of New Testament prophetic 
ministry. So I want us to remember this as we're, as we're creating and as we're leaning into having a prophetic culture. One of the first things we should ask ourselves before giving a prophetic word is, will this strengthen and encourage this person? <laughs> uh, when I first started doing this, and I'm, you know, there's, we say this all the time, but there's revelation, interpretation, and application. Sometimes God will give you a picture or a dream or something. That's the revelation. Many times we get the interpretation of it right, but the application of how to deliver that word to administer that person, many times that's where we miss it. And when I was early, young in the Lord, and I started getting impressions and different things for people, man, I was like hurting people and scaring people. <laughs> it was not encouraging, strengthening, or comforting. It was just confusing. And so... Um, we want to minister to people in love. We want them to feel the love of the Lord. It's equally important that people, uh, when we give a prophetic word, people experience God's love. Okay, this is why in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, what's in the middle? 1 Corinthians 13, right? 12, 13, 14. Okay, the gifts of the Spirit, right, sandwiched in the middle of them, is the whole chapter on love. The context is that the gifts of the Spirit need to be tapered with God's love. Because if you don't have love, you can actually hurt people, okay? Um, so this, and it starts off, chapter 14, follow the way of love and eagerly desire these spiritual gifts, okay? It's fun to have an accurate prophetic revelation about someone, but our ultimate goal is that our words would lead people into a love encounter with the Father, Okay, a love encounter with the Father. Why? Because, and, and I'll speak to this real quick. Someone might say, well, what about rebuking? What about correcting? What about bringing correction to people? Okay, there is a place for that. There is a place for rebuking. There's a place for correction. Okay, but it's not prophecy. And I'll read this scripture to you um, of how that's supposed to happen, how rebuking, correcting, and all that is supposed to happen. Um, this is not in my notes, but if you're taking notes, write this down. Uh, 2 Timothy 4, chapter 2, it says this. Paul, speaking to Timothy. Well, I'll start in verse 1. <clears throat> Paul says to Timothy, In the presence of God and of uh, Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Okay? Prophecy, that's not prophecy speaking out. That's teaching the word. That's biblical instruction. Okay, that's where correcting, rebuking people is supposed to come from, not from the gift of prophecy. So in, in preaching, sometimes there's corrective things. You know, you, you, hear, you, you hear the Bible being preached. Sometimes that's corrective to your heart. And if you're being discipled by someone, sometimes that person is speaking in your life and there's a corrective word there. There is a place for that. But primarily, that's not the function of prophecy. The primary function of prophecy is to strengthen, encourage, and build up. Okay? So, yes, the revelation you're receiving for someone sometimes might be a warning or sometimes might have a negative aspect to that. Okay? It's actually quite encouraging when someone comes up to you and says, hey, here's something I think you're going through. And you're going through that. And it's like, okay, now what? You know? Like God's, God's reading your mail. God's saying, hey, you're seen, you're known, okay? Um, but still, the person delivering the ministering 
should pray through until there's some type of a hopeful expectation and something for that person to hold on to and something to bring them through. Okay, we don't want to just say, oh, I see terrible things in your future. See you later, you know. (laughs) That would neither be strengthening, comforting, nor encouraging. Quite the opposite. (laughs) So we want to pray through till we have the right application for that person that will produce the right result in their life, okay? If you're new at this and there's a negative aspect to the revelation you're receiving, I just encourage you, submit that word to leadership. People you know in your life who have done this before and leaders here at the church say, hey, I'm getting this for this person. It's kind of like negative and scary. You know, what do you do? You know, and we'll help you. We'll help you, um, we'll help you with that to give it to that person so that it's actually done in a way that brings hope to their lives and not fear and discouragement. Amen? Sometimes the Lord will show you something too and you're not supposed to give it to them at all. Sometimes, listen, friends tell friends secrets, right? If you friend with God... Sometimes he will reveal things to you that he's like, just keep this between you and me and pray for that person. Okay, that happens all the time. Um, Don't run right away and give someone something just because you're receiving some type of revelation, okay? Pray about the delivery. Pray about the way that it would bring encouragement to them and strengthen them. Okay, so it's for edification, exhortation, comfort. Sometimes it's foretelling. It's usually forthtelling, though. It's usually calling that person higher. It's calling the gold out of that person. Amen? Okay. So that's kind of setting uh, some of the boundaries and some of the demystifying prophecy a little bit. Are you guys tracking with me? We want to have this culture here. We want to start setting this up that people come and actually receive this in a way that benefits their lives. I want to be a prophetic church. Amen? I want prophecy flowing in our church. Okay, next week I'm going to talk about growing in the prophetic. We're going to give permission for people to grow in this, set some parameters for you to grow in this. You know, feedback is really good for people in the prophetic. So humility is really good for people growing in the prophetic. Um, but I'll, I'll, close with this. I'll close with this story um, because it kind of involves something negative and how how I turned it to um, mean something good for someone. Because <clears throat> um, we want to minister hope to people. Um, There's this girl in uh, Emily and I's ministry years ago when we were college pastors. We probably talked to her um, every year or so. Uh, we don't talk to her very often. So it's not like she's at the forefront of my mind very much. Um, but on December 17th, um, I had this dream with her in it. And the, reason, the main reason I'm telling this story is because it's recent and applicable. It's maybe not my best story, but it's recent. Okay, so I have this dream with this, this girl in it, and um, I messaged her on Facebook and, and told her the dream, and then you'll see how this kind of plays out. So I'm just going to read the message that I sent her. So I, I said to her, um, I had a dream with you in it last night. I'm not exactly sure what it means yet. It may be for you or it may represent my role as a pastor and intercessor in people's lives. Okay, first of all, notice, I'm kind of saying, I think I got something. I'm being humble about it, you know, and um, I'm, I'm figuring this out with you too, okay? So that's a really good thing to do. When you give a prophetic word, it's really great to say, hey, I feel like God is saying this. I, I, uh, I'm getting this impression. Does this mean anything to you? Can we pray through this? Okay, that's actually a really good way to do things rather than saying, Thus saith the Lord, you know, because you're putting yourself in a box to be really, really wrong, you know. But if you approach it with a little bit of humility, it could still be, it's still totally powerful, but it also gives 
it gives you some latitude to, to be wrong as well, okay? So I, I don't ever say, thus saith the Lord. I say, hey, here's what I feel like God's telling me for people, okay? So this is a dream. I dreamt that you called me because someone was following you on foot and you were trying to get away from them. You were trying to be quiet so that they would not hear you. Hear you. Then all of a sudden, I was on the phone with the man who was following you. Apparently, he got a hold of your phone, but you got away. I told him to leave you alone, and I threatened him. Then suddenly, I was no longer on the phone with this uh, person, but now I'm standing in front of him uh, in the city that she currently lives in. I stood in opposition to him, and he backed off. Again, I'm not sure if the dream was literal to pray and declare protection over you, or if it represents my role as a pastor, shepherd in people's uh, lives as an encouragement for me to keep doing that. At any rate, I'm praying protection and provision over you, both physically and spiritually. I also pray that this doesn't sow any fear into you, but trust in the Lord. Okay, so I put it out there to her. Um, she responds within minutes and says, so interesting because last night I had trouble falling asleep and I saw a demon in my room who appeared at first to be a little boy around five to six years old. When he turned and looked at me, he was possessed. I immediately knew that it was a demon and began telling it to leave in Jesus' name. And he told me he lived here. I said, no, in Jesus' name, go. And he left out my window and returned three times. Each time the motion light went off outside my bedroom window. And finally, after the third time of telling him to leave, he left and never came back. I appreciate you praying, uh, praying and being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I have no idea what that was all about, but God does. I'm thankful to have brothers and pastors in the Spirit to back me up. Thank you. Okay. Uh, this is what I said. I said, amen. We will keep you in our prayers. That thing can't mess with you. And then she said, thank you, guys. No way. I'm not afraid of that thing. I know Jesus has overcome, and it shrivels under his name. Wow. What a testimony. Thank you so much for being bold and sharing this with me. Okay. It's moments like that where we're, you get a dream, you get a, you get a prophecy, you get an impression from someone. There was definitely some negative aspects to this, okay? I didn't want to scare her, but I'm like, if she's going through something right now, she's going to be very encouraged to know that, that an old pastor, I'm not a pastor anymore, an old pastor, God gave him something. He called me. He's praying for me. He's covering me. And I just say that to say, if you guys get something for people, pray through it, pray through the application, and then deliver it to people. And... Um, at worst, you're just like, no, that doesn't really mean anything to me. At worst, that's what will happen. But at least you're caring about people. You're trying, you're reaching out, and you're loving people. Amen? All right. <clears throat> that dream was prophetic in nature because it was revealing the scheme of the enemy and countering it with the mind and the intent of the Lord, the solution for that situation, okay? Again, if you get something negative... Flip it or pray through it until God gives you something that will strengthen, encourage, and comfort that person. Amen? Okay. So we're going we're gonna to talk about this more next week. Um, I think I'm going to have you share that, though. This is a really cool story. Harmony is going to come up because we're, we're doing good on time. I wanted to share a story, just how we minister supernaturally to people. This is a really cool story. It's kind of a, you know, I'm trying to demystify and despookify prophecy. This maybe isn't the way to do it, but... Um, <laughs> But it's a really cool story. I want you guys to see the different ways that, that God moves and can and will move through you. So yeah. go ahead and okay. share that. Um, initially, I think this story started out as somebody just trying to be obedient and hear God. Some of you guys have heard this story because um, it kind of feels like a watermark 
for um, stepping out and obeying what God tells us to, no matter how crazy it sometimes feels. But um, there was a woman, and she was at a gas station, and um, she just kept feeling like the Lord was telling her, like, go over there in the corner and stand on your head, you know? And she was like, nope that's nuts, you know, and she just felt it stronger and stronger and stronger, and like to a point where she was like, I can't actually leave this gas station unless I do this thing, um, and so she just did it, she waited for everybody to leave, you know, and then ran over and did it as fast as she could, and then like grabbed her stuff, and then went to the cash register to pay, and the man behind the cash register is like ghost white, and he's like, why did you do that? And she's like, oh, man, like he's going to call the cops. You know, she's like thinking like something like this is nuts. And he's like, why did you do that? Why did you stand on your head? And she's like, I might as well tell him if I'm going to jail. I might as well, you know, be like honest. And she's like, you know, um, I felt like God told me to do that. And that's so I just wanted to be obedient. And um, the man starts crying. And he's like, um, I had just told God that if somebody didn't come in here, and stand on their head, I was going to go home and kill myself tonight. And I guess God's real, and he's losing it. And she got a chance to minister to him out of that, just because that simple act of crazy obedience. But, yeah. So. Yeah, cool. Um, well, here, why don't you guys come, come back and stand on your feet, and because uh, we're done. I want to have you pray just... Yes. Um, We'll do more impartation and prayer and stuff next week because we're going to talk about this again. But just pray and release like a grace over them to hear the voice of the Lord. Lord, let us be people of your word. Mm. Let us be people who hear your word above everything else and choose to just follow it and obey it. I just pray a grace. And I just, yeah, anywhere there's been a blockage over people Mm. who haven't been able to hear. Mm. We just release that right now. We just come together and we say no more that this body will be a people who hear your voice and obey. Yes. And so, Lord, we just ask for more, more things, more opportunities, more stepping out, even if nothing happens, Lord God, that we learn to be people that obey your word and that we hear your voice and we do what you say. In mm-hmm. Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Come on. Yeah, and Father, we thank you that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Whenever prophecy happens, Jesus will be magnified. Jesus will be exalted. Jesus will be glorified. So, Lord, I just pray for this church that we, ultimately, God, we want to lift up your name high. We want to glorify you. We want people to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Emily's going to close. Amen. Whoa, that's that. It's a hot mic. Got a hot mic. That was so good. Let's give him a hand. Thank you, Jesus. That was cool. Cool. So the cool thing about this is it works when you're not even at church. It's amazing. (laughs) The same Holy Spirit you encounter here, he lives inside you. He will speak to you. Um, Let's be sensitive even as we're out and about. If you feel a draw to someone, just say, God, do you want me to do have something for them? And just ask him. And if you don't be weird and aggressive, (laughs) you just simply say, hey, I was walking by you. I felt the love of God for you. He sees you and he loves you. Can you imagine if someone said that to you? I'm a pastor and I go out and I'm like, God, I want to be, I want someone to come and prophesy to me because I feel sad right now. Like we all need encouraged. Amen. So. We're city lights and we light up our city with the light and the love of Jesus. And that looks like sometimes taking a risk. Amen.
Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.